You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. Give me a go, no, go for launch. Booster. Go. Retro. Go. Vital. We go fly. Guidance. Guidance, go. Surgeon. Go flight. Ecom. We're go flight. GNC. We're go. Telmuse. Go. Control. Go flight. Procedures. Go. Inco. Go. FAO. We are go. Network. Go. Recovery. Go. Capcom. We're go flight. Launch control. This is Houston. We are go for launch. Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Go! And all I am, Professor Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again to the Now You Know Show, and it is so good to have you here. We have got a lot of news to broadcast this week, but before we get to it, there are a little bit of house cleaning that we need to take care of here At the Now You Know Show. I want to tell you that tonight, something new and different and unusual and strange, perhaps, is going to happen. Do not 
be alarmed. Do not fret it and do not sweat it. Oh, no, no, no. Everything is going to be here. Everything you've come to accept, expect about the Now You Know show is going to, to, to go ahead and happen. But we are making a little change. We are making a little change in the internal lineup, the internal lineup of how the show goes. So hopefully that'll be fun for you all. Don't worry. Don't worry. It'll all be there. It's just going to be a little rearranged. And so I'll leave that for you to discover as we go along. But first, let's go over right now to the LMC Radio Newsroom, where our own Patchy Fogg is standing by with the news and special announcements. Good evening. This is the news read by Philip Fogg. Before we get into this evening's news, it is this reporter's sad responsibility to bring you the news that a little more than one week ago, at approximately 12.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, located in Forestville, California, burned down. No one was hurt in the fire, and no other buildings were involved. Aside from the church and its contents, no other damage was done. The fire was detected at approximately 12.30 a.m. by Catherine Ironwood, who immediately called 911. While our own chief engineer here at the LMC Radio Network, Troll Towelhead, ran to the scene and began to hose it down with a garden hose so that the nearby plants would not catch fire. The Forestville Volunteer Fire Department responded immediately, and the fire was under control in less than half an hour. We are happy to report. There has been a GoFundMe started for missionary independent spiritual church which will be rebuilding if you would like to donate to it you can go to gofundme.com backslash rebuild dash misc and the link will be available in this evening's chat now on to the news today is thursday july 20th the 201st day of 2017. There are 64 days until autumn begins and 164 days left in the year. The 21st and 22nd will be auspicious days to can fruits and vegetables, mow to slow growth, brew beer, and get married. Also, these will be times to plant seabeds, seed beds, and flower gardens, as well as good days for transplanting and the most fruitful days for planting root crops. The 21st and 22nd will be good days for morning fishing. Today's highlight in history comes to us from this date in 1917. 
when America's World War I draft lottery began, as Secretary of War Newton Baker, wearing a blindfold, reached into a glass bowl and pulled out a capsule containing the number 258 during the ceremony inside the Senate office building. The drawing of numbers by various officials continued until shortly after 2 a.m. the next day. Also on this date, the Congress of the Confederate States convened in Richmond, Virginia. In 1871, British Columbia entered the Confeder entered Confederacy as a Canadian province. In 1923, Mexican revolutionary leader Pancho Villa was assassinated by gunmen in Parala. In 1942, the first detachment of the Women's Army Auxiliary Corps laid down its backs in basic training at Fort Des Moines, Iowa. The Legion of Merit was established by an act of Congress. In 1944, an attempt by a group of German officials to assassinate Adolf Hitler with a bomb failed as the explosion only wounded the Nazi leader. Also, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt was nominated for a fourth term of office at the Democratic Convention in Chicago. In 1954, the Geneva Accords divided Vietnam into northern and southern entities. In 1968, the first International Special Olympic Summer Games, organized by Eunice Kennedy Shriver, was held at Soldier Field in Chicago. And in 1969, in a moment of glory, astronauts Neil Armstrong and Edwin Buzz Aldrin became the first men to walk on the moon after reaching the surface in their Apollo 11 lunar module. In 1976, America's Viking 1 robot spacecraft made a successful first ever landing on Mars. And finally, in 1982, Irish Republican Army bombs exploded in two London parks, killing eight British soldiers along with seven horses belonging to the Queen's household cavalry. Today's LMC birthday greetings go out to actress, singer, Sally Ann Howes, who is 87. Author Cormac McCarthy is 84. Rockabilly singer Sleepy LaBeef is 82. Actress Diana Rigg is 79. Actress, excuse me, artist Judy Chicago is 78. Rock musician John Lodge of the Moody Blues is 74. Rock musician Carlos Santana is 70. And actress Donna Dixon is 60. Our thought for today comes from Albert Einstein, physicist, born 1879, died. 1955, who said, quote, common sense is the collection of prejudices acquired by age 18, unquote. This has been the news from the LNC Radio Newsroom, and we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the Lucky Numbers. Lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky numbers, hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Super 
superstition. Or even make me suspicious. A table with 13 dishes. If she will make me That's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man. Well, okay, yeah. Put my trust in goo for dust. Cause you know some days may bring you a seven. Or oh, maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, thank you, the in heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah. Oh, yes. And before we get to the lucky numbers as we are brought into it each and every week by the Nicholas Brothers, I just want to say a few things. First of all, once again, if you wish to donate to the rebuilding of the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, you can go to gofundme.com forward slash rebuild dash misc. And in the meantime, the Four Altars Gospel Sanctuary is handling all of the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church Candle Services, and you can find them at fouraltars.com slash candles. And that takes us to this week's lucky numbers. This this week's lucky numbers come to us, as always, from professorporterfield.com. Why not stop on by there and take a look? And they are, believe it or not, 13, 28, 34, 38, 45, and 47. This is an unusual, if not even strange, group of numbers, which I would have to say normally that many of these numbers would be ill-aspected, but for some reason they are on the rise this week, as we will probably hear about later in the card of the week, and I tell you, take a good hard look at these numbers. I believe they are very good. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 257. That's 257. 310. That's 310. And, of course, 888. Eight. That's 888. I have to tell you that 888 is very hot right now. It'll cool off some towards Tuesday. 310 is going to start being hot around Saturday and be hot all the way through Thursday. And 257 is a solid number between now and next Thursday. The card of the week is the Six of Spades. Ten miles of bad road. Tiring trouble, but some good comes from ill. This is a week in which you are likely to feel dragged out and exhausted. Be ready for the days to feel as if they will never end and that you are being tested to your last strength. Make sure to take care of your health, physical and mental, as it is very important this week. Don't skimp on sleep or meals. Beware of sullen thoughts, stubbornness, or cynicism this week, for relief is on the way and an end is in sight. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know Show to get the numbers and card when they first come out. And if you hit, (laughs) remember where you get. Till then, 
good luck to you all. Up next, once again, we do not have our own Miss Loretta from the first and second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas. It appears that she caught a bit of a bug while she was down in happy Texas. But instead, ladies and gentlemen, in cooking with Miss Loretta tonight, we have the one, the only, the incomparable Count Goulash. Play him in. Sweet Loretta Martin thought she was a woman, but she was another man. All the girls around her say she's got it coming, but she gets it while she can. Unfortunately, Miss Loretta is indeed back where she belongs, in bed, resting, and we hope that she will soon be over the terrible, awful, creeping crud which we have talked about before, boys and girls. Yes, it's a horrible monster, but she will defeat it. Oh, yes, and we wish to tell her that we love you, honey. Tonight. I am here to bring you a fantastic dish, one that you will love and will certainly clear your nose, a dish fit for Count Dracula himself. I am talking about chicken paprika. Yes, that's right, Hungarian chicken paprika. And so hold on to your hats, boys and girls, because it's going to be a wild one. <laughs> oh, with someone's calling in, even as we speak. How amazing, how wonderful. Well, now, for this dish, you will need the following ingredients. Three to four pounds of chicken thighs and drumsticks, or whole chicken legs, kosher salt, and freshly ground black pepper to taste, one tablespoon of oil, and three, three tablespoons of unsalted butter. Then you will also need one large yellow or Spanish onion peeled and diced, three cloves of garlic peeled and of hot paprika. That's right, hot Hungarian paprika. Don't get the sweet stuff. It will make this terrible. Blah. Then finally, you will also need three tablespoons of all-purpose flour, one cup of canned crushed tomatoes, or one large ripe tomato chopped, one cup of chicken broth, and one pound of egg noodles, and three-fourths of a cup of sour cream. <laughs> now, to prepare your Hungarian chicken paprika, first, you will heat an oven to 400 degrees. Season the chicken aggressively with salt and pepper. 
heat the oil, and one tablespoon of the butter in a large, heavy, oven-safe sauté pan or Dutch oven, and set over a high flame until the butter is foaming, yes, foaming like a rabid dog, foaming. You will sear the chicken in batches, skin side down, until it is golden and crispy, approximately five to seven minutes. Then turn the chicken over and repeat on the other side, approximately five to seven minutes. And then remove the chicken to a plate to rest. And it will need a good rest after that. Oh, you better believe it. Now, pour off all but a tablespoon or two of the accumulated fat in the pot. Return the pot to the stove over medium heat and add the onion. Yes, put the onions in there. Cook, stirring frequently with a spoon to scrape off any browned bits of chicken skin until the onion has softened and gone translucent. That will take you approximately five minutes. Oh, yes. Oh, it's, it's a wonderful, a wonderful five minutes as well because it makes this fantastic smell. Oh, yes, they'll all be gathered at the doors to the kitchen, baying and hounding you. When will it be done? When? When? Done yet? Now, you will add the garlic and stir again, cooking until it has softened about three to four minutes. Then add the paprika and the flour and stir well to combine. And then cook until the mixture is fragrant and the taste of the flour has been cooked out. That will take about four to five minutes. Oh, yes, and it's well worth it, boys and girls. It's going to be fantastic. Now, add the tomatoes and broth. And whisk until smooth. And then nestle, oh so gently nestle the chicken back in the pan, skin side up. Slide the pan or pot into the oven and cook until the chicken has cooked through and the sauce has thickened slightly. This will take you approximately 25 to 30 minutes. Once this is done. Or while this is going on, I should say, boys and girls, set a large pot of heavily salted water to boil over high heat. Cook your noodles in the water until they are almost completely tender, but not completely tender. About seven, drain the noodles and toss them in a bowl with the remaining butter and then toss it again to coat them with all that delicious butter. Then, take it all out, place the chicken on top of the noodles, then add the sour cream to the sauce, stir to combine, and ladle it over the whole, and serve immediately, piping hot. It is very good with a nice slice of rye bread. <laughs> And there you have it, 
Hungarian, chicken, paprika, ramai, count goulash. Don't worry, it's got enough garlic in it to keep the vampires away. <laughs> and now we take you back immediately to the one and only Professor Porterfield. <laughs> wow. Okay, so like just following his ad spots is impossible. And now that I have, first of all, that sounds amazing. And, and if I don't get that for dinner real soon, I'm going to lodge a complaint. I mean, seriously, I'm going to lodge a complaint to, to the management uh, uh, here uh, at, well, at, not here, but back at my house. I'm, I'm going to lodge a complaint to, to the management back at my house if, if, if I don't get that soon. That, that sounds great. My God, I wish we had that here. See, Miss Loretta, bring, Loretta brings what she has on the show in for us to taste. But apparently, that can't be expected of, of royalty, and and I understand that. And he's a busy man, and and a, his good friend has got a, a sick wife at home. Up next, we're going to be going not to the pontification. Oh no, I told you we're changing stuff around. Up next, we're going to be going to our segment about reading with playing cards. This week, we're going to be talking about. Layouts, spreads, and runs. That's right. Get ready to lay all your cards on the table. Yeah, 
just be fair to me And I'll be fair to you If you can't be fair Then unfair will I be to you any food treats all we've got is is gold stars and and we're going to be handing out gold stars she'll be back next week and we'll have something i don't know what kind of food maybe brownies again but tonight i'm afraid all we've got is gold stars but you will get a gold star if you know name and comment. so the first gold star goes to xp that was indeed lay your cards on the table I must tell you, I didn't expect anyone to get the artist because I brought you something of a treat. That was Little Willie Willie Field. That's right. Little Willie Willie Field. From a song, Lay Your Cards on the Table, that Little Willie Willie Field recorded in 1949. But it was not released. No, it was not released. It was finally released in 2005. That's right. It was released in 2005, just 12 years ago. And I, it was originally recorded in 1949. And so I'm very pleased that I got the opportunity to bring to you tonight that relatively unknown song, Lay Your Cards on the Table, by Little Willie Willyfield. Oh, yes. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Tonight, we're going to be talking about layouts, spreads, and runs. Before we get into any sort of spreads or layouts, runs, this is perhaps, in terms of what we've been talking about, reading playing cards here in America, here in America. And, of course, how it relates and works into the reading of playing cards inside the huge, wonderful tradition of hoodoo, conjure, and root work. Perhaps the most popular, or at least the most original. I mean, this, you saw this forever and ever, and it only slowly started to disappear. And that was reading a run of cards. Now, what is a run of cards, Professor Porterfield? Well, I'll tell you. run of cards is a situation where the cards do not have a particular pattern that they hold. You see, a lot of us nowadays have gotten used to this idea of a layout or a spread. And a lot of that indeed comes from the reading of tarot cards. Not exclusively, but that's where you see it a lot. And so people are used to that there must be positions for cards. You know, there has to be a Oh, card one goes here, and card two goes someplace else, and card three goes someplace else, and hopefully they make some kind of pleasing pattern on the table, and uh, that pattern itself may have some sort of, uh, oh, you know, some sort of 
symbology to it, some sort of secondary or tertiary uh, meaning to it. The reading of playing cards in a run is much older, much more simple, and it is literally a run of cards. This is where you put cards out in a line. Okay, you're just you may do whatever you do. Uh, you might cut the cards beforehand or what, however you're handling your cards, and then you just start dealing out cards in a straight line. Card one, two, three, four, etc. They're all together, and they all just make a straight horizontal line on the table in front of the reader or in other systems in front of the individual being read for. And often you will see nine cards in a run. Some people will use seven cards in a run. A few have been reported to use 13 cards in a run. There are even some people who will do a run until they reach a face or court card, unless the first card up is a face or court card, and then they will do the run until they reach the next, which can sometimes result in very, very long runs indeed. But this is an excellent way to learn to read cards, because as we have discussed, as we've been talking about the reading of playing cards, Cards, playing cards, when they're read, change their meaning sometimes. They have accentuated or altered readings, or meanings, I should say, depending on what cards sit near them, to their left or to their right, and then later in other kinds of layouts and spreads above them or below them, but here specifically to their left or to their right. And I want to tell you, and we'll be talking about this in later weeks, there is a plethora a veritable cornucopia of interpretations for cards in sets. Meaning, what does it mean when you get oh, two queens next to each other? But what does it mean when you have three queens next to each other? Or four queens? Or two queens and two kings? Or two aces and two tens? Etc, etc, etc. And you're not going to find those combinations except really at the end of the day in a good run of cards do you understand what i mean by that meaning let's say we're talking about oh the layout on a run of cards and it is oh oh let's just say as one example uh four eights okay now the four eights will be interpreted by if the, they're broken up, black, red, black, red, or if the two uh, black are together, or if the two red are together, and which comes first. Now, to have that situation, you would have to have, you would have to have a set of cards in a reading where you could have four cards all together. And since many layouts... And many spreads, as we spoke of earlier, do form some sort of a, a picture, a pattern, a sigil even, if you will. You won't have a situation where you have necessarily four cards all together. And that means that suddenly you can't read any of that anymore. You can't use all of those excellent old meanings 
four, uh, three eights, four eights, two nines. And sometimes if your layout is only single cards by themselves, then you can't even read uh, double combinations. You can't even read things like, uh, oh, what if the six and seven of spades comes together? Well, the six and seven of spades together is treachery or scandal, vexation, but it can also represent a, an injury from a fall. See, But if you don't have in your setup a place where two cards fall together, they're side by side, you'll never have the six and seven of spades together. It's simply impossible. And you will lose a lot of wonderful interpretation of cards. So I, I deeply encourage you to consider reading a run of cards. Now, that being said, let's talk about some of the other setups or layouts that you can do with playing cards. The simplest, of course, would be a one-card draw. Now, although one card doesn't tell you the world, a single card, which can be drawn effortlessly and, in fact, can even be drawn on the sly while you're speaking with someone, can serve as a discreet and effective little answer. All right? Also, some people would draw a single card uh, on a birthday or on New Year's, although they're traditionally much larger runs, spreads, or layouts for New Year's or birthdays. But that's the simplest one you've ever got would be a one-card draw. Next, you would have a three-card spread or three-card cut. In this, three cards are dealt in a row. And they can have a variety of different meanings. The left card could be the past, the middle, the present, the right, the future. Or it could be reversed. The right could be the past, the middle, still the present, and the right, <laughs> excuse me, the left be the future. The three-card cut is similar, but the cards come out by cutting the deck rather than dealing it. So you cut the deck into three piles, and then you are taking the cards off the top of each of your cut piles. This is also, as we talked about when we first began this series of discussions, um, the easiest and simplest method for answering a simple yes or no question. Then, the next up, we would have a five-card reading. And some folks call this a crossroad reading. Five cards are laid out in a cross with a single card in the center of the cross. Card would represent the, the querent, the person who's being read for, the client. And the card to the right is where they have come from. The card to the left is where they're going. The card at the top is an alternative path. And the card at the bottom is the path to be avoided. In a situation like this, the joke turning up as the as the center card warns that the person you're reading for has probably had work done on them. So too would the ace of spades turning up in the center would warn of danger, death, possible violence surrounding the person you're reading for. Then there's a seven card horseshoe spread. Now we're getting a little bigger. We're getting a little stranger. Uh, this is good for a larger analysis of a specific question. Seven cards are laid out in an upside-down U pattern. So follow me, if you will. Imagine in your brain. This is radio, folks. There ain't no pictures. From the bottom left 
hand card to the bottom right hand card going in a little arch, making a U, making a horseshoe, we would have this would be the past. And this is prior factors influencing the situation. Above it would be the present. This would be current factors. Then above it, we would have, and moving slowly to the right, we would have secrets. These are unknown factors affecting the situation. Then right at the top, the cornerstone, the keystone, the middle of the horseshoe, if you will, we would have fences. These are obstacles that may get in the way. Then coming back down after that, the fifth card would be houses. This is the influence of friends, families, and others. Then the next card, the sixth card, would be roads. This would be the best path to further the subject's interests. And then the final card, which is going to be at our bottom right-hand position, would be the future. And this is the final result if the path shown is followed. Then there are larger readings. Some people will read 12 cards. And you can lay 12 cards in a circle. Uh, and they can correspond and be read as the houses of the horoscope. Or they can be done uh, to read uh, the next 12 months. And you will often see this done for New Year's and, of course, for birthday specials when someone's seeing something coming on afterwards. And it's fences, houses, roads future. Now, everybody has their own way of reading to some extent. And, and again, as we spoke about when we first got into this, one of the fascinating and, in my mind, wonderful things about playing card readings is it's so diverse. And there's so many different methods. The methods I'm talking to you do not resemble the Spanish method. They do not resemble the German method. And then individuals have their own time-tested Methods. I myself read nine cards, and I read them in a three-by-three three pattern, all right? And like a, a tic-tac-toe board, if you will. And in that, that's, that's just the, what I do, and it's served me very well. Uh, in this, the bottom row would be uh, those three cards are what grounds the matter. Uh, the top row... Uh, is what crowns the matter. So what grounds the matter talks about the past. The top crowns the matter, talks about the, the future. The middle row that balances the matter talks about the now. All the cards on the far left column is the pillar of mercy. It talks about the inner life and emotions. It talks about what's in your heart and in your head and in your home. And all the cards in the Far right-hand column, talk about it's the pillar of severity. It talks about the outer life of the world. And the middle pillar is the pillar of balance, and it's the heart of the matter. So you see there are a variety of ways that you can lay these cards out. But before you go out and find some snazzy, great, fantastic spread that takes 22 cards, or some grand tableau, from the tradition of the Lenormand cards or something else. Who knows? I don't know. When you finish it, all the, they, they make Mickey Mouse's face. It, it doesn't matter as long as it works, man, as long as it works. 
But before you do any of that, I strongly, strongly encourage you to read a run of cards and get reading a run of cards down. Up next, we're going to be going into the kitchen, not for Hungarian chicken paprika, but for a little something that helps shield, helps get rid of, oh, you know, a jinx.
this morning that the jakes around, jakes around. Round my bed, I said, I woke up this morning with the, with the jinx all around my bed. You know, I thought about you now, baby, and I'd like to kill me then. You know, I woke up this morning just at the break, just at the break. Break a deal, I said, soon this morning. I said, yes, about to break a day. You know I was hugging the pillow. Oh, I'm a good gal, you still lay. You know ain't it time laying down, laying down. By yourself, and I ate it terrible. I said, laying down by yourself. And I said, the blue got you, and your woman got somebody else. You know, the sun's going down behind the western, behind the western. Western Hill, I see the sun is going down. I see behind that old Western Hill. You know, don't practice nothing, not against my baby's rim. Didn't look like you wanted me while I was loving, while I was loving him. Loving in kind, I said it looked like you want me. I said while I was loving in kind, but someday you gonna want me, Woo-hoo, baby. And I'll be done, will change my mind. You know I went in my room, Saturn, Saturn. And I cry. I say I went in my room, I thought out, and then I cry. Well, I didn't have no blues, I just wasn't sad, just fighting. Mm, and it seemed like I was, I was seen, I was seen like. Seem like days. I said a minute seemed like hours, and an hour just seemed like days. Well, it seemed like my baby ought to stop all oh, no, down way. Mm, I believe I'll go to the gypsies have my fortune, have my fortune. Fortune told, I believe I go to the gypsy. I said, my how, my fortune told. You know, I kind of be somebody that's trying to steal my telephone. Oh, yes. 
Oh, yes. See, tonight I'm trying to bring you a few little treats, a few little things that maybe I haven't played before, a little bit of rarity to them. The two gold stars go to Catherine Ironwood. That is indeed Eddie James' son, House Jr., and that was, as was correctly identified, the Jinx Part 1 and, and, Part two, And that leads us into our In the Kitchen segment this week. And tonight, we're going to be talking about agrimony, also called cockleburr or sticklewort. Agrimony, as you may have guessed, helps turn back jinxes that have already been done, roots that have already been laid, and curses that have already been cast. However, Agrimony also helps draw business by making merchandise very attractive to the eye of the customer. So let's talk about a few ways that you can use agrimony. You can use agrimony to repeal the evil eye and repair its damage. Agrimony combined with rue as a wash or an incense is believed to send back the evil eye. And I can tell you that I myself have had very good success with agrimony combined with rue, used as a wash that was used to wash or to smoke a hamsa hand, the hand of Miriam, the, uh, that it, because it itself repels the evil eye. And I had good luck with that as well. But traditionally, you just use it as a wash or an incense on yourself to send back the evil eye. You can also use agrimony to undo a curse that has been put upon you. To do this, you turn a white candle upside down, carve a new top, that was the bottom. You take the bottom, you carve a new top at the bottom, dress it with uncrossing oil and agrimony, and burn it an inch a day until you get relief. Mixed with salt, and this is agrimony, mixed with salt and sprinkled in a home or business, unmakes or reverses any trick that has been laid down to hurt people who live or work there. Also, you can use it to shield yourself from a threatened curse. You can mix agrimony with verbena and add it to dragon's blood resin, incense, or fiery wall of protection incense, and burn this daily until the threat has passed. And then finally, agrimony can be used to break up tricks that have caused people to slander against your marriage. So they're speaking gossip, they're speaking slander, against your marriage. And to do this, you would combine agrimony with slippery elm bark. And it's said together to break spells involving slander and lies spread by backbiting enemies or jealous in-laws who are trying to trouble your home life. Now, we also talked about it being used in business. And for business, you see, an, an agrimony has little tiny, little hooked seeds, okay? And the Iroquois, the first tribe, the Iroquois Native Americans, brewed it into a tea, which they sprinkled as basket medicine to hook customers 
to buy baskets. So you would make a tea of agrimony seeds, and then you could spray it on the things that you want to sell, you see, sprinkle it, spray it to uh, hook the customer and get that customer to buy those particular items. Our knowledge for the In the Kitchen section comes to us each and every week, not only from our own knowledge, but also from the excellent book, Magic Magic of African American Conjure, by our good friend and fellow traveler, Miss Catherine Ironwood, and we thank her for its use and inclusion in the show each and every week. Up next, the professor's pontification. But before then, a few words from our friends. You know, they're all out there at the LMC Radio Network and at Lucky Mojo, just trying to get the message out, just trying to send their little signal. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network, broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network, in the vanguard! Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, Kendallo's Corner with Kendallo Canvisa, Michael Carell, and Lady A, Mondays 5 to 7, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7, On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand and Paige the Fearyu, Wednesdays 3 to 4.30, Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All times Pacific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com.
in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. Don't believe me? It's true. Ask my friend, Lefty the Skeleton. He knows, because he and I are there at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Oh, yes. If you can't get there in person, visit us online and sit in the comfort of your own home, looking through thousands of items from all over the world. If you get a chance, come and see us. Myself and left in the skeleton and the Lucky Mojo Glorio Company of Abbey Road, Forestville, California. <laughs> Tell them that Lefty and Count Goulash sent you. Okay. Well, that's new and special and different. Um, thank you, Count Goulash, uh, Lefty the Skeleton, and Troll Towelhead, the chief engineer here at the LMC Radio Network for that update of our shows each and every week and a few words about our wonderful sponsor. Up next, we're going to go to the Professor's Pontification. Oh, yes. Tonight, we're going to be talking about recipes. Oh, yes, we are, because, you know, everybody eats around here. Have a banana, Hannah. Try the salami, Tommy. Give with the gravy, Davy. Everybody eats when they come to my house. Try a tomato plate, too. Here's cacciatore, Dory. Taste the bologna, Tony. Everybody eats when they come to my house. I fix your favorite dishes. Hoping this good food fills ya. Work my hands to the bone in the kitchen alone. You better eat if it kills you. Pass me a pancake, mandrake. Have an derby, Irvy. Look in the fender, Mendel. Everybody eats when they come to my house. Hannah, Dee Tommy, Dora, Mandrake. Everybody eats when they come to my house. Pasta Fazula, Tallulah. Oh, do have a bagel, bagel. Now don't be so bashful, Nashville. Everybody eats when they come to my house. Hey, this is a party, Marty. There, you get the cherry, Jerry. Now look, don't be so picky, Mickey. Cause everybody eats when they come to my house. All of my friends are welcome. Don't make me coax you, moax you. Eat the tables, the chairs, the napkins, who cares? You gotta eat if it chokes you. Oh, do have a knish, knish, yeah? Ask him the latke, matke. 
chili con carne for Bonnie. Everybody eats when they come to my house. Face, butter, chair, chops, thump. Everybody eats when they come to my house. Oh, yes, they do indeed. And the winner of the two gold stars on that name it and claim it is our own trout troll towelhead, who correctly identified that the song is Everybody Eats When They Come to My House, and that that was, of course, Cab Calloway and his orchestra. And that leads us into tonight's pontification. I know you're probably confused, dears and darlings, about, well, the pontification's on last now, with the pontification comes first. No, no, we're trying something new around these here parts. And so tonight, the pontification comes last. And so if you've enjoyed this or if you've hated this, send us a little mail and uh, let us know. Tonight, we're going to be talking about recipes. That's right, recipes. Now, I hope that none of you were assuming that this was just going to be the professor sitting down and uh, describing various recipes that it was not going to be oh it's a professor just going to give i got a pencil and pen and he's just going to tell us no 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 i'm going to be talking about recipes but i'm not going to be giving out recipes per se recipes where do i want to start with this recipes are a vital and important part of the practice of hoodoo root work and conjure. Hoodoo, root work, and conjure certainly are not a religion. We have no religious figures. We have no clergy. We have no orthodox thinking, per se. There's no vast, broad, you know, sort of a, this is the way it is. <clears throat> because of that, we do not have in hoodoo accepted liturgy, and it's the same, and it gets passed down again and again and again and again and again in Latin, in Hebrew, in Yoruba, in whatever. We don't have that. And so, because of that, part of what has taken the place of that is recipes. If you believe me or not, it's true. And people get very hot under the collar about the finished product, meaning they themselves may not know the recipe, but they know what that's supposed to look like or smell like or feel or how it's supposed to burn, etc. when they get a hold of it. And you'll hear this from time to time. Someone will say, oh, their special oil is terrible because it smells like whatever. Oh, their Van Van isn't right because it smells like this, that, or the other thing. It smells too much like orange, not enough like lemon. Smells too much like something else now. Would say someone would say smells too much like vanilla, not enough like musk, etc. So recipes have become and are very important. However, being said, 
I want to say something somewhat controversial. Ready? Here we go. Recipes have often, or have also, started to become too important. Hoodoo, root work, and conjure cannot simply be broken down into a set of recipes. Oh, the set of recipes is important. It probably can't be completely practiced without some. But, of of late, let us say, of late, our, our, our recent unpleasantness, we have had a surge of hoodoo, root work and conjure, trying to be broken down just to recipes. That's all it is. It's just recipes. And this, in my mind at least, is a grave and fatal mistake. Now, where does it come from? How did it start? Well, I I can't tell you exactly where. I can't point the fickle finger of doom and say, there, that. But I have some suspicions, and I'll share those suspicions with you. And please understand that, therefore, I'm not talking facts. I'm talking suspicions. Some of this comes out of groups of people who want to appropriate or take or own or possess or grab hold of hoodoo or root work or conjure and then run off into the hills with their previous practice and blend in and make some sort of abhorrent melange with, I don't know, potato chips and mayonnaise. Uh, not as a dip. Oh, no, no. We're just going to potato chips and mayonnaise. You know, mix them together with a blender uh, out of hoodoo and root work. And so they are fixated upon recipes. It's easy. It's easy. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's actually uh, pretty fucking hard. But it's easier than having to learn about people, than having to learn about a culture than having to learn language and meaning, than having to study history, than having to be concerned not only about what the ancestors of those people had to deal with, but what their descendants have to deal with on a daily basis. It's just a recipe. And we're in a recipe culture. We have cookbooks. I mean, the segment section in the bookstore that's cookbooks goes on as long as the eye can see. And it's clean. And it's tidy. And we're used to it. We're used to being able to just pick up a cookbook and open it up. And, oh, look, like tonight, there's Hungarian chicken paprika. I don't have to be Hungarian or know anything about Hungary or the history of Hungary or what the Hungarian people went through in dozens of wars. I don't have to, you know, give any sort of tip of the hat to Hungarians. I just have to have the recipe. And I, too, can make Hungarian chicken paprika in my own kitchen. It's easy. It's clean. And so there has been a overemphasis on these recipes. Now, of course, the recipes are important. Of course, the recipes are vital. I'm not saying that they're not. But what I'm saying is that when the recipes are all you're focused on, and that's all you're trying to do is get the book All I want is the book of recipes. And you approach workers that way, you're going nowhere fast. Let me tell you a simple truth. And it is a truth from my own life. And I can guarantee you 
that there are many, many workers out there, some of whom are sitting in the chat room right now, some of whom will be listening to this a little later on because they're off doing something and they listen to the show later. And I can assure you that if you talk to worker, you will find out that worker after worker after worker will tell you that there are numerous people who simply approach them to ferret out recipes. That's it. They don't want to know the history. They don't want to know where it comes from. They don't want to understand how it's necessarily even used effectively. They don't want to know why it was used that way. They want to know what brought it about. They don't want to know its connection to Africa, Native American practice, European folk magic and witchcraft tradition, or Jewish mysticism, uh, Indian mysticism, Chinese. They don't want to know. They just want the recipe. How many parts per? How many drops in? How long set to? What do I do with it? Now, because of this, there are some serious problems. One of those problems is that these people often leave out, leave out important parts of the recipe. What do I mean by that? They get the recipe, and it says this herb, this root, this flower, this leaf, this oil, this mineral, this animal part, this bone, this dust, this part, this many, shaved like this, ground like that, blended like so-and-so, and they will follow that religiously. But then there's something in there that says, gathered during the dark of the moon. Or more importantly, prayed over this way, this prayer. It may even say this particular piece of scripture, this song, this proverb, this thing. Do that with it. Do this with it. And that goes out the fucking window because they're not interested in culture. And they're certainly not interested in all that goes along with that culture. What they're interested in is sums, figures, amounts, you know, recipes. That's all they want. And they, for some reason, will t- look you dead in the face. Dead in the face. Eyes steady. And you can tell that they believe. And sometimes after they're out of your distance, pour it on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, Yahoo News, I don't know, and in public, and write down in books, and teach, that you can just substitute that out. You don't need to say Psalm 91 over that protective incense to make it. You can beseech, fill in the blank, anybody. Freya, Zeus, Apollo, it doesn't matter. And I'm not saying anything against Freya or Zeus or Apollo. I'm not saying anything against those who give devotion and worship to Freya, Zeus, or Apollo. What I'm saying is they let that go. That's a matter of culture and people and place. And what they're interested in is sums, 
and drams and drops and weights and measurements and how it's blended and what color should it be. That's it. Now, there's a worse one. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There's a worse one. The worst category are the people that want the recipe. All right. Oh, you might. No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Don't, don't, don't go away. Don't go away. Hear me out. <clears throat> you may think that those who leave out the prayer or the activity or the time setting are the worst, but they're not. The worst are those who leave out actual ingredients because they are offended by them. They don't like them. They don't like how they make them feel. They don't like how it has something to do with something. Now, to be fair, let's be very, very fair. There are some individuals who leave out entire segments of work, entire recipes, because they do not agree with something that is done in the action. And they have a variety of reasons that may be sociological, may be ecologically minded. They may simply have to do with oh, kindness to animals. But that's different because they simply won't touch the whole goddamn thing. And good for them. They're saying, here is my line in the sand. And for various reasons, whether they be of my culture, my belief, my ecological concerns, my concerns about uh, cruelty or kindness towards animals, etc. I simply won't touch that at all. Good for them. I praise them because what they're not doing is bastardizing. I'm talking about other people who will say, oh, I'm totally, I got a recipe for goofer dust. I somehow wormed it out of an old worker. And I absolutely, I wrote it all down real careful. And I absolutely have this recipe. It's a good recipe for goofer dust. But I'm not going to use graveyard dirt in it because I have some kind of feeling about that. Instead, I'm going to substitute mullion or sage or God knows what. I don't know. Peppermint, spearmint. Who the fuck cares? They literally have the recipe. They've got it in front of them. Some of them got it legitimately. Some of them, and I tell you this is true, got it illegitimately. Oh, yes, people steal recipes. Oh, yes, be careful. If you, and I encourage you all to write things down. I have on many an occasion. Please do write things down. And once you've written it down, lock it up. Because they'll come over for a cup of tea. They'll come over to visit you and see how you're doing. They just wanted to drop by and say hi. I love you so much. And the minute your back is turned, they've got the book open. Flip, 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 flip. In the old days, they had a piece of paper and a pencil. Nowadays, they've got their cell phones out going click, click, click. And so now, through whatever means they got it, legitimately or illegitimately, through some kind of honesty or some kind of chicanery, they've got the recipe, and now they set about to change it. Now, again, I'm not talking about the change that one might do as a part of practice and expansion. Look, I'm the asshole who earlier told you with the agrimony about how it keeps away the evil eye. And for me, the hand of Miriam, the hand of Fatima, the, you know, the Hamsa also helps ward from the evil eye. So I take that wash and I wash my amulet in it. Okay, but I didn't take something out of it. I didn't, I didn't throw in, you know, bearberry. 
I didn't say, oh, this is a great place for some oregano. Oh, you know what? This needs uh, more alligator paw. No, I just extended the use. I'm talking about somebody who has a recipe in front of them. They know how the recipe goes now, and they substitute. They substitute because they've got some feeling about the ingredient, because the ingredient is graveyard dirt or bone dust. They've got some feeling about it because it has something in it that they think's icky. Oh, they could give a fuck about alligators. They don't give a damn about alligator preservation. But they don't want to touch a part of an alligator. And so they put something in, or worse, they just leave something the fuck out. Then they say genuine whatever, and off they go with it. Now, some of these people are not hoarders or not collectors in any sense. They're not just trying to get the information to keep it. Oh, no, no, no. They want to make it. They want to make it. But they don't want to do the research. They don't want to find out how it's made. They don't want to dig through old books, talk to living people, talk to spirit, do readings, do everything else, listen to their dreams, talk to their ancestors. Oh, no, no. They just want the recipe because they want to sell it. And you've got a pretty good recipe. Now, don't you, buddy? This is part and parcel of being a manufacturer of hoodoo and conjure goods. Not only do you have to deal with people who will come in the shop and literally steal the products off the shelves and drop it into their purses, their handbags, their pockets, their socks, their open umbrellas, and walk away. You have people who actually want to steal the actual recipe and then change it. They don't even have the decency to steal from you and make it right. God, no. They want to steal from you and make it wrong. Sometimes a few of these clever souls will change the recipe on purpose so that they can get away with saying it's their recipe. Except they're not improving the recipe. They're making it worse. And so all of this together has become a system whereby the almighty recipe has become one of the major focuses of hoodoo root work and conjure. And it's sad and it's bad. Oh yes, because it's wiping out all sorts of work. These people don't know how to deploy a dust or a powder because all they're concerned with is the recipe. These people, these people would look at you cross-eyed if you suggested putting a drop of a conjure oil on a hot light bulb, because they've never heard of that. doesn't enter in. All they're interested in is the recipe. They wouldn't know how to go to the crossroads if you held a gun to their head, and they wouldn't be caught dead, ha ha, in a graveyard. See, the recipe needs to survive. It does. Please, please, please do not get me wrong. We need to write these things down. We need to pass them on to our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews, our neighbors. The recipe does need to survive, or someday no one will know how to make Four Thieves vinegar. No one will know how to make goofer dust. No one will know how to make anything. But you also have to understand that some of these recipes, no matter how old you think they are, 
no matter how much you've convinced yourself of the lie that your grandmother taught you and you didn't get it from someplace else, the recipe actually belongs to someone. It's relatively newish. I mean, it's not new like yesterday, but it's not, oh, they've been making that back in the day. Let me tell you something. I've been making lavender love drops back in these here hills. Whoo! Well, every gay Appalachian boy I've known since the 1920s knows how to make lavender love drops. No, they don't. Don't lie. I know the person who made lavender love drops. I know that person. I know the two people who did Lavender Love Drops. I know them. They're living people. It belongs to them. Okay? It's theirs. They have a undeniable right produce and sell it. You don't have a right to, to, to steal it. And hopefully, hopefully, when the time comes, they will both pass that on. You see, someone else will make lavender love drops. Then it'll be their right to make it. So it doesn't die out. It doesn't go away because we want these things to remain because people get use from lavender love drops. People are aided by lavender love drops. So we don't want to see it go away. But just because we don't want to see it go away doesn't mean you have the right to fucking steal it. I have possessions. I want them they're mine. They're mine. I have a pocket watch. If you've met me, you've met my pocket watch. That's true. I mean, that's 100% true. Ask anybody. Seriously, ask anyone who has met me. They'll tell you. He has this beautiful pocket watch. It's a double skeleton, double lid skeleton pocket watch. Nine jewels. It's lovely. We, why we can hardly think of Professor Porterfield without his pocket watch. My dear friends and my brother have given me other pocket watches as gifts because they know I like that. I have a wedding ring. I have some snazzy-ass cufflinks with mercury dimes in them. Those things are mine. They're mine. But I want them to last. I want them to be preserved. I want them to go, at the end of my days, to my children, to my sons. Or to my grandsons, if you feel like you would like them to be preserved well, but not if you kick in my door or jimmy my door in the middle of the night when you know I'm not at home, go into my bedroom, go into my drawer, dig through my handkerchiefs. Yeah, I got a drawer just for my wallet and handkerchiefs. Bill me. And take my watch, my ring, my... My, my clips, okay, out of there because you want to preserve it. No, you don't want to preserve it. You want to steal it. I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. And God forbid could you at least allow me the, the, the room, the room to make allowance for what happens to them after I die, that they go to my sons, that they go to my grandsons. I'm so sorry that you wanted my cufflinks. And you're not my son or my grandson. So you felt you had to steal it. See, it seems obvious then, now doesn't it? But people will steal recipe. People will steal it every chance they get. And then they will excuse it. Well, I'm just preserving. Well, I added red pepper to, to the 
the the special oil number 20. So it's my own. I didn't really steal it. I added red pepper. It's different. Well, first of all, red pepper doesn't belong the fuck in there. But you sure did make it different, but you still stole it. And it reduces our interaction with those who know whatever you want to call it, the art, the science, the tradition of hoodoo root work and conjure. It reduces us because time and time again, every conversation we have is just a conversation about recipes. How do, but how, and they don't ask, how do I do? How do I do is a different question. I'm happy to answer, how do I do? How do I lay down dusts? How do I deploy powders? How do I get this on an envelope? How do I do that? How do I do that? Those are great questions. I love those questions. Instead, it becomes the question of how do I make it? How do I make it? I want to make it. Tell me your secrets. Tell me everything. Tell me, old man. How do you make whatever? And they'll do it. They'll bug you and harangue you. And then they'll get together and create groups, Facebook groups and AOL groups and online groups and sit and trade recipes like they're <laughs> like they're trading cards. Well, I'll give you two special little number 20s for one Henry's grass oil. And that's it. That's it. The almighty recipe, the supreme recipe, the vaulted recipe. And what gets lost? Language, music, idiom, speech, Technique of use, culture, history, people, living experiences, soul, all of that just can go fuck itself. Because all that matters is how many grams, how many drops, how long stirred, etc. Now, because the recipe becomes so important, then there are others who now aggrandize the recipe in a new way. They add technique to the recipe that never fucking existed. I mean, it never fucking existed. Oh, oh, like Count Goulash, right? Oh, if you're going to add a bayberry to that, the bayberry must only be picked under a crescent moon in autumn. Whoa. Really? Crescent moon in autumn. Really? All right. Why not just say the last crescent moon in autumn? Yes, the last crescent moon in autumn. Oh, okay, cool. Now we're Thorin and the fucking dwarves try to get into the last lonely mountain to confront smog. All right, sure. The last fucking crescent moon in autumn. Well, first of all, let me ask you this about this bayberry. Uh, there's probably going to be some bayberry out there. I mean, you know, it's not like it goes away. It's traditionally burnt in the winter months, and there are, bay, you know, candles and, and whatnot. But, but autumn, you're going to wait till the last crescent moon in autumn to gather herbs. All right, cool. And obviously, you're not making so fucking much of whatever you're making because you've got a really limited time period, uh, you know, to to harvest. Right? I mean, there's this one crescent moon, 
and it's 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 last Christmas moon, and it's in autumn, and that's the only time you can get that. So obviously, you know, you're not running a shop or anything, right? Right? Because you don't need to you don't need to make you know oh oh a hundred units of whatever or ten thousand units or whatever or even a thousand units or whatever. You just need enough, right? So last crescent moon and moon. And what do they do? Oh, they fucking acknowledge that shit. And you know how they acknowledge that shit? The cost goes up, right? Because the bayberry was picked under the last crescent moon of autumn. There's only so much of it, motherfucker. So instead of paying nine dollars for a bottle of oil, you're paying ninety dollars for a bottle. Nine hundred bottles. Nine hundred dollars for a bottle of oil. Nine nine thousand dollars for a packet of fucking incense, right? Because they've added some new thing to it. Why? Because the recipe is God. The recipe is all. The recipe is everything. So now I can add all sorts of obfuscation. Obfuscation. To the recipe. What is it designed to obfuscate? Well, kind of the fact that I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. That I just got this from someplace. So I have to add obfuscation to it. And I am, without intention, adding malformation. Great. So now we've added not only obfuscation, my fucking friend, but also malformation. Cool. 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 Okay. I mean, these motherfuckers will try to sell you stump water. Do you know what stump water is? That's the water that's been gathered in a stump. Okay, you know what a stump is, right? That's where you cut down a tree and there's a stump left. And sometimes there's a holler, a hollow in that stump and it rains and water gets into that, that, you know, that spot. And so you have stump water and they try to make a big deal out of it. We had to find just the right stump of just the right tree with just the right water. Okay, because they have to obfuscate and in their obfuscation, they're malforming. Malformation and obfuscation together. Why? Because the recipe is God. The recipe is everything. Now, that's not to say that there cannot be, well, a, a refinement of recipe. I prefer to use, when I am required to use dice, let's say small dice to go into a mojo bag. Okay, I prefer to use bone dice. It makes sense to me. Bone dice come from, they're not plastic. Okay, prefer to use oh, a, a piece of alligator hide rather than a, a, a rubber alligator toy. All right, so it's not to say that there's nothing there, but when you have added a meaningless step, in other words, I said to you, uh, well, into this, you're going to add red pepper. And rather than just add red pepper, you had to add red pepper that was only ground in the dark of the moon. Uh, we didn't say any extra prayers. We didn't say any extra curses. Over it. We just ground pepper. We ground it up fine on the dark of the moon. And then we actually threw it at somebody. And this is the red pepper that was encrusted around their eyes with their tears. And then we ground it. I was like, what? I mean, I guess I see where you're going, but you're just making this shit up now. Now, again, please understand, some of this 
is not brand new. Some of this is legitimate. When someone tells you from seven churches, the dirt from seven banks, the dirt from the crossroads, the dirt from a graveyard, it's already built in. It's part of the thing. You're not adding an extra step. You're not adding rarity. And that's what's being added here, folks. Rarity. Why? Because rarity costs fucking money. It's true. Rarity costs money. If you want something from me, and it needs to have in it silver dust shaved from a silver coin. Not a coin that looks silver. A coin that is silver. What has been added? I mean, that's just realistic. But I'm not adding rarity. When the recipe becomes God, then rarity can be added. And once rarity is added, then the cost goes up. I help obfuscate where I got it from. I get to, I get to raise my cost. I get to make more goddamn money. And, of course, I have now malformed the recipe. A, malformation of the recipe makes it seem like it's mine. B, now no one can disagree, right? No one else, oh, he must know what he's talking about because it's got the rarefied thing in it. I mean, it sounds legit. But it's play pretend. It's dress up. It's kids running around in plastic Dracula cloaks. It's exactly what it is. So where does this go? We must preserve the recipe. The recipe is terribly important. We've got to keep it alive because someday we could get to a point where no one knows how to make goofer dust. And I got news for you. Most people don't. I got news for you. Most people don't. I've spent a long-ass time figuring, puzzling, and puzzling my puzzler about goofer dust. And I am here to tell you that in my professional opinion, the original goofer dust from way back when was in fact poisonous. I believe it was poisonous. I honestly believe that. I can show you lots of reasons I believe that, including certain poisoning laws passed in the United States that were only directed at black people. So, that being said, we still don't want to lose goofer dust. We don't want to lose Van Van. We don't want to lose all of these things. And some of them have been lost. Lots of them have been lost. You can sit for 30 minutes with some of those individuals who we designate as elders, and they can name things that you can't get anymore, and they don't know how to make. So we can lose things. They might have been important things. So we do want the recipe to survive. But please, 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 I am begging you, don't make the recipe the be-all and end-all. Don't make the recipe the top of the mark. There is more than the recipe. The recipe exists within a context. That context is made up of how people live. Culture, belief, idiom, music, art, dress, day-to-day activity, where people came from, where they went to, who they talked to, who they lived next door to, who their neighbors were, what they exchanged between each other, where it came from this. In the recipe, 
the recipe exists within the context of religion, belief, prayer, and a hundred other things, please do not take the recipe out of all of that. Please do not neuter the recipe, which is what you're doing. Please don't do that. Please do not hound workers of any age just for their recipes. It's so dis-fucking-genuous of you. If all you want to learn is the recipes, if all you're doing is being a good boy or a good girl until you can get your hands on the recipe book, if the person has been smart enough to write it down and maybe not so smart as to leave it out. It's disingenuous. It's wicked. It's fucking evil. Stop it. Stop it. Funny thing is, if you will study and if you will talk to people and if you will really, really go and put your nose down to the grindstone, you'll find the recipes. You'll get them. Your Van Van will be as good as anybody else's Van Van. And you'll learn a lot more. Because when you just take the recipe and reproduce the recipe, or even worse, steal the recipe, and just reproduce the recipe, you never make any mistakes. And when you never make any mistakes, you have no opportunity to learn. And unless you have been working, unless you have been working, your innovation will be forced and false and fragile. It will be forced innovation. And innovation is good. Lavender Love Drops works. Innovation is excellent. But innovation comes to those who work. And when innovation comes, it best finds you working. So, let us keep the recipes, but not make them the be-all and end-all of everything. Because at the end of the day, you can cook any recipe any way you want, but it's still what it is. You can cook a chicken any goddamn way you want, but a chicken still ain't Nothing but a bird.
was the dish rule Caesar. Also King Henry III. But Columbus was smart, said you can't fool me. A ticket ain't nothing but the bird. Field this evening with you here uh, on the Now You Know show, but could I take just a few moments to tell you that I am also Bishop Porterfield, Rabbi was already taken, Bishop Porterfield, a member of the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church and a member of the board of the church, and I'd like to take just a brief moment to ask you, could you please Give generously as we rebuild our little church, the world's smallest church. Your pennies will help us. It doesn't have to be much. Two dollars is a gift to us. We thank you for anything that you can donate to us in these trying times. I want you to know that the little church that can will once again rise up out of the ashes. The site's going to be cleared. We've already got the incredible craftsman Daniel Smith to come in and help actually do the work of rebuilding our fine little church. And anything that you can spare to us would be so greatly appreciated. And if you can't, could you at least pass it along to your friends, your neighbors, and your relatives, and let them know. And once again, you can go to gofundme.com slash rebuild-misc, M-I-S-C. You can also find the information online, on Facebook, being shared by the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, by myself, by our reverends, and our bishops. Once again, we thank you for anything that you can bring to us. Well, in terms of the church, I want you to know, it shall rise again. Oh, yes, for not only the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church and the Now You Know show, <laughs> this is not the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. And go to Texarkana And jump back to Fort Worth I'm on down to Dallas to call the kitty Coming through the territory in Kansas City And Kansas City to St. Louis And St. Louis, Chicago I'm on my way to the doorway Change cars on the TV 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.